Welcome to the Coffeehouse Football Cast. I'm Paul Cushing, and we are going to talk about the women's game. Um, in particular, some stories that have come out uh, from Lindsay Horan and Alex Morgan, and why there there seems to be a very distinct uh, difference in looking at the women's game to the men's game, and what we can try to do to make the game equitable between the two. Um, I also have a small piece about an incident that happened in La Liga yesterday with uh, Diakabi and Juan Cala that I do want to express uh, at the end of this day. Um, let's get started. Hi. Let's get started with a story I saw on All for Eleven, I believe it was, um, and Lindsay Horan. Um, it was a story about... Um, her time at PSG Women and how um, how negative and body negative and um, um, terrible it was uh, being uh, in that environment on a regular basis. Um, it comes from a podcast called Butterfly Road um, with NWSL player Kari Ricaro and Ginny McGowan. Um, and they took, uh, they talk about, uh, Lindsay Horan talks about her mental toll, um, um, at PSG and how there were no one, there was no one there that could help her, um, in that situation and how, um, it was, uh, sort of normal that this is the way that the women were treated at, um, uh, at the club, um, which was horrifying. Um, and... I'm going to start here and I'm going to build as we go on to show um, why the women's game uh, needs more uh, um, uh, A, money, uh, B, uh, representation, and C, um, just equity in the way they're treated uh, with the men and other, other types of the game um, uh, because it just needs to be represented more. Um, on a daily basis. I mean, they produce a wonderful product and they work just as hard as the men do um, every day in becoming great players. And it shouldn't be because of money or any of those things that they're not being represented better. Um, so let's start with that. Um, so Lindsay Horan uh, was uh, signed for PSG Women at a young age and um, um, she talked um, on this podcast for about an hour about um, how the entire team culture was to reinforce um, unhealthy and terrible message messages uh, around weight and fat. Um, I'm going to give you some of the details, um, but I'm also going to uh, give you some details into uh, France and their culture with regards to fat shaming and how it's only within the last four or five years in which they've really started to um, change the culture regarding that. Um, there's a wonderful article by Stephanie Marsh in The Guardian um, detailing Gabrielle Dadier's book about um, her being obese and, um, and, um, and her battle with grossophobia, is what they call it. Um, and um, I will go back and forth with those two things because it's uh, important to understand uh, the cultural significance in France and then how... Um, how how it kind of built within the culture at the club because it's clear that there is a very distinct thing um, that they are trying to do uh, 
while there. So here are some of the details from the article um, for All for Eleven for Lindsay Horan. Um, and um, Lindsay Horan describes uh, some of these things as um, um, an assistant coach literally slapping a snack out of her hand and grabbing the side of her waist. Um, coaching staff announcing to the team that she and several other players were on diets, uh, finding it players for having desserts, and double-flying players who were on diets having desserts. Um, after excelling at preseason uh, fitness testing, Haran was told, uh, the coach told Haran in front of the team that she was still weighed too much. Um, having zero energy as a result of reducing her food consumption to unhealthy levels in an effort to lose weight. Uh, witnessing a coach tell a player who started wearing makeup that she was, she got what, uh, that's why she got her call up to the France women's national team. <laughs> just, just. Oh, and at her lowest body fat percentage being told by the coaching staff that she was beautiful now and that they couldn't see fat on her waist through her shirt and that she can fit into certain clothes. Um, yeah, really depressing. Um, I'm not sure. Um, there have been incidences in the men's game, but nothing like this. You know? This is pathetic. Um, the fact that um, it seems to be that the only thing that is important um, to the coaching staff is the uh, the look of the women as they play and how they look in their uniforms compared to how they play and how their performance is um, says a lot about um, how people see the women's game especially since there are coaches who are there they're supposed to be there to um, support you and to make you a better player and a better human being. Um, really, really depressing. Um, and that she said uh, later on that her aunt said that um, um, there were no allies within the PSG structure, um, team doctor, assistant coaches, everyone had the same mentality towards weight. Um, fellow players either injured or uh, either uh, endured, uh, inured to the culture or unable to willing to be vocal on her behalf. Um, it's, it, it, it is, um, there's not many ways to describe, uh, what happened, uh, there. Um, it's just a failure of understanding what the most important thing is with regards to the game, which is playing the game beautifully and uh, scoring goals and not scoring goals and stopping goals from being scored. Um, it shouldn't matter uh, on gender or um, how you look that, um, or what you look like that, that should be determinant on um, how you play, like what, what, what uh, the game needs. Um, the fact that um, uh, someone was called up or someone finally deserved a call up for the, the France women's national team because they put on makeup is deplorable as well. Um, uh, and just uh, wondering how all of those players now um, live in that environment on a, uh, on a regular basis um, and how it could affect their not even just their play but just their mental state on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, how can... How can you perform at your fullest if you're constantly thinking that um, you don't feel good enough or you're told you're not good enough if you don't look a certain way? Um, yeah, just a very depressing 
event and stories that that came from there and um it makes me want to go back to uh it makes me want to talk about um the gabriel uh didier story because it's very clear that this is not just one moment in france or in other parts of the world um um gabriel didier is a an author um who um has been one of the um I guess we call her a pioneer in France for her um, uh, for her uh, expression in finding body positivity in a country that uh, sorely lacks it. Um, she uh, talks about um, instances where she would be out uh, on the beaches in France in a swimsuit and um, people would, would come over and ask her to cover up because she was overweight. Um, and how uh, she's become a voice for for a whole bunch of people uh, in the country. Um, I I spent some time looking at um, uh, also some some details in body dysmorphia in the United States and in France, and um, and guess what? A majority of them are women and not men. Um, I'd say it was about ninety to ninety five percent, both in the United States and France, are both um, high. Uh, with regards to women, with regards to body dysmorphia and eating disorders as well. So that's um, bulimia and um, and anorexia and um, just the way we look at our bodies, um, which is a really depressing thing. Um, we um, have spent so much time wondering, um, uh, spending so much time uh, seeing how people look and being offended just by that that we forget that um, there's so much more to people than just that um, going back to the Guardian and um, the Didier um, um, interview um, she talks um, quickly about or doesn't talk quick she talks about um, uh, her uh, interaction or a letter from a woman who um was um, like uh, in hospital with her mother as she was passing and it goes uh, dear Gabrielle after university I went to work at Dior where I am now very high up um, I despised women like you all my life my mother has always been fat uh, but now she's in hospital dying she gave me your book and it's for the first time that I understood how it must have been uh, must have felt for her thank you um, Gabrielle sits there, looking very sad and, and a little bit helpless. Um, I find that crazy. That people need to read a book to accept the overweight. I'm really, really sorry to get a message like that. Um, and I, I can't help but feel um, that that how uh, debilitating that must be on a regular basis to live in that sort of culture where... Um, 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 where um, not only do you have to write a book in order for people to recognize you, um, but also um, that um, that she was offered um, the opportunity or was told that she needed to be motivated about her job, um, being a teacher working with autistic children, and was told that she um, that her, the reason that she needed to be better and motiv motivated is so is for her to lose weight, um, not to teach the children better which says a lot about um, how people um, perceive you at um, a job or 
like the things that you need to do in order to show that you um, are a master of it. Um, and in France at the time, it was that sh that Gabrielle needed to look thinner. Uh, Derrière needed to look thinner instead of um, trying to uh, recognize um, and help learn about um, children of autism, uh, which says a lot um, about the culture there. Um, I also want to... Um, um, it's only one side of the women's game that um, that is constantly being um, put under the mirror, uh, the, 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 the microscope. Um, and I think um, that needs to change. Um, the game is about performance and performing at the highest level um, has nothing to do with looks. And the best players on the field are the players who can perform best on the field at that time, uh, physically, uh, mentally, um, um, psychologically. Um, yeah, those are the important things. Um, it's about being able to pass a ball, to shoot a ball, to kick, uh, to uh, defend, to uh, tackle. It's not about, it has nothing to do with um, body shape or anything like that, unless you're talking about body shape and how you hit a cross, you know, those types of body shapes, those are okay. Um, yeah. Um, I think um, women have to be better represented um, and have to be sh uh, given every opportunity to show exactly what it is that they need uh, with regards to uh, performance and give all of the opportunities that the men get with regards to that as well. So the same sort of gyms, uh, fields, um, practice facilities, they should have exactly the same. Um, there was uh, an NCAA incident recently, re recently where uh, the women's and the men's uh, had very different uh, quality of equipment there. Same size, uh, uh, same size uh, space, but um, the women had a series of like, uh, you know, five to, to 15 pound dumbbells while the men uh, received everything that they could possibly need to perform. Um, now, uh, there's a wonderful article about Alex Morgan and her time at Tottenham Hotspur, um, where she played for the women, and how she demanded that um, the women train at the practice facility that the men practice at, because the women were practicing on the field that they played on every, every week. And maybe in the 1970s that was okay, but it's 2021, and practice facilities offer uh, you know, uh, uh, performance uh, uh, equipment, um, you know, therapy sessions, uh, anything that you could possibly imagine, they have. Um, and I can't think that a team, even a club the size of Tottenham Hotspur, um, was not even allowing the women to be in the same facility as the men, um, or weren't even offering anything similar to that. Um, and that was a very uh, depressing anecdote um, um, to hear and the fact that that it took her to come over and to say uh, no we're gonna use all of the same facilities that the men um, I'm very happy that it's happened and if it's not happening in other places it should very soon um, I think also too with related to that um, you know there is a there was a uh, right before the pandemic um, there was a growing sense that um, you know, women were going to fill the stadiums similarly to the men. And I still think that's uh, a very real thing and a possibility when um, when the pandemic 
hopefully slows down within the next year or so. Um, and I truly believe that um, if you are going to offer stadiums for the women to play in, uh, at least offer the same sort of, um, or very similar amenities that the men get. So offer um, um, similar locker rooms, um, you know, you know, uh, the ability to stretch and train and find spaces to uh, get warmed up in properly. Um, um, all of the other equipment that, that, um, that everyone, you know, deserves and needs for pre preparation of a game. Um, proper turf fields, not, not a, I mean, grass, grass turf fields, not like field turf uh, fields. Um, all women should play on the same, tur uh, same fields as the men do with regards to uh, competing at the highest level. Um, and the stadiums. Um, now, um, some of these uh, clubs do play in the same stadium as the men do, um, but there's a lot of them that play in smaller stadiums, especially in the uh, in uh, the FA WSL, um, where um, they play in some of the lower division stadiums, but um, they have uh, the club monikers all over them. Now, I don't necessarily have an issue with playing in a smaller stadium to um, try to sh try to fill that like, smaller stadium, but um, uh, I feel there needs to be a lot of work that needs to be put into those stadiums to make them feel um, uh, to be at a higher level uh, or the same level as the men. Um, yeah, I, it's just too often that um, you know, like because the women's game and the, the fact that the women's game isn't very old yet. Um, that they should be given less, and that's not that's not the case. They should be given the the same or even more in order to catch up with the men. Um, now, uh, another thing about this um, is pay gap. Um, it's sort of fascinating to watch um, the amount of time the amount of time that women and men put into the game, which is equal, and um, uh, the amount of time that they put into studying tactics and, and technique and uh, listening to coaches and, and, and doing everything they can to improve their game. And I can't help but think um, the pay gap is a little uh, wonky. Um, the highest paid women's player um, that I've seen over the last uh, few years or noticed is um, Carly Lloyd. Um, and she made half a million dollars last year, uh, or I think it was maybe 2019, 2020. Um, do you know how much Lionel Messi made that year? 272 times that amount. 272 times that amount. Now, the gap between men and women in pay in the United States is, I think it's uh, the women receive 82 cents to the dollar right now. Um, and in France, I believe it's 81 cents. The highest, uh, the closest pay gap, uh, the closest the pay gap is between uh, men and women in, in the world is uh, Switzerland. I think it's at 86 or 87 cents to the dollar. Um, I think, uh, and there's, there is some growing change within, uh, or small, very small growing change in the sport. Um, I know in Norway, the women and men, when they play for the national team, earn the same amount of money. And the men fought for that, uh, and uh, the women just refused to play until that came uh, to be. Um, um, and I find that wonderful. And uh, there needs to be more. Uh, we need to push more to, to find that uh, in the world. The women should be paid more. Uh, they should be paid more to, to 
to they should be paid the same as some of these star players that play for the men. Um, and does that mean that uh, there needs to be some uh, money that's given to the women's game uh, without, uh, you know, with um, uh, while sacrificing some money for the men's game or at other places? Yeah, I do think so. Um, there needs to be some way. We need to figure out some way to um, to make that better um, and and have equity in in the game. It, and, I, and I understand it will take time. It's not going to happen tomorrow or in the next. Um, uh, hopefully, it will happen in the next few years. But um, the uh, as someone um, who loves watching the game, um, watching the women's game is just as wonderful as watching the men's game. There's no, I mean. They play with the same sort of technique, the same sort of, uh, there's like similar styles being played, and it will only grow, and players will only, um, and and they they will only become, uh, um, <laughs> um, the game will only grow from it and be better in the future. Um, yeah. Uh, I think looking at this at a whole, as a whole, um, there's a lot to be um, there there is a lot to to learn and work from um, and to grow with and for the women's game uh, to be the same as the men I'm not saying it needs to be idealistically the same um, that's not what I'm uh, I'm trying to say I think what I want to see is the women's game have the same um, pull as the men's game does the same respect the same um, understanding and um, in time I do hope that that happens I, I mean I want it to be now I, I think it is now I think the women um, some of these women they play with such uh, uh, amazing technique and ability and they're so intelligent and they understand the game just uh, better than we do um, they are um, they I mean I um, have an anecdote from this. I went to uh, the Women's World Cup in 2019 in France, um, and and um, there were a couple things that I noticed from it. Um, one, um, it felt like there wasn't really much of a World Cup that was happening in France at the time, um, which is really depressing. I was in Paris uh, for two weeks, and there were some like big some big billboards, but it wasn't um, an all-out. Um, extravaganza like you would have like um, being at Euro 2016 it was a little different it was more intense more people were there um, uh, more fans were out and about watching the games more things were shut down because of it um, and so I I couldn't help but feel like mm, does the game really matter here or is it just uh, another event that is around there and then going to a game at the Parc de France uh, in Paris and watching the U.S. play Chile and the stadium packed and the fans singing and, and cheering and and watching the U.S. Uh, beat Chile um, and thinking now this is what this is what this is the game this is why we want to watch every day and why we want to see the game uh, live and why we want to watch it on TV and why um, we want to be part of it every day and um, it, it brought to me and understanding that this this is where it needs to be every day um, and the women's game should have this um, respect and uh, love that uh, the men garner without much work um, 
And the other thing um, I noticed is, um, you know, like usually you go to bars and watch games uh, or go to places and watch some of the World Cup games there. Um, and there wasn't really much of that there. Um, you know, I was able to watch a couple of the men's games in 2016 at the Euros um, on uh, TV. Uh, and uh, we, we ended up finding, I think Copa 90 did a little like small little entry place in this, in this building, which was kind of an amazing little thing, but it was tiny and it was very rarely filled except for some of the, um, you know, uh, I think there was like the quarterfinals with like France and, um, and then the U.S. and all that. And so that was a lot of fun to be part of and watch. Um, and be involved in, and they offered free beer. You could get stickers. It was all, it was a cool, it was a really cool experience. Um, and, um, I was, you know, floored, uh, to say the least, um, coming back thinking that the game would be, uh, touted more and, and watched more the women's game, but it wasn't, um, which was also a sad thing as well. Um, so I, in conclusion, I think, um, the women's game, um, what we can do to try to make the women's game better is we need to we need to find a way to um, bring more money to the game or more uh, resources to the game. That's probably a better way. And and one of that one of those things is money, um, paying the women the same as the men. Um, Two, um, uh, offering coaches who aren't looking to um, uh, to body shame. To put people in a negative body, um, that, uh, body place on a regular basis, and to cause you know triggering effects of like how you look in a jersey or in a pair of shorts, like that's that needs to stop. Um, and we need to offer the same facilities as as the men. Um, and um, I think with those things um, takes time, sometimes time, and you know a push from people who who could could offer um, those things right away. Um, so that means going to your clubs and fighting for if they have a women's team or don't have a women's team to A, have a women's team, and B, um, finding a way to um, have them uh, use, have them be on equal standing as the men on a regular basis. Um, yeah. Uh, um if there are any questions or you feel I may have say, said something um, a little off, please uh, hit our Twitter um, and email us at um, coffeehousefootballcast at gmail.com. Um, I think that will do it for today. Thanks. So there was uh, an incident that happened uh, yesterday in La Liga between Valencia and Cadiz. Um, both teams are uh, in the lower half of the table right now. Valencia has had a really tough season. Um, they um, sold off a lot of players in the summer and have struggled. Um, it looks like they'll stay up, but um, they're in a tough place this year, and they have not done um, very well uh, in recruiting new players. Um, Cadiz is a, a team that has yo-yoed over the last few years, um, and they're also someone that they're also trying to fight to stay up. I think now... Um, the game ended 2-1 um, to Cadiz, but um, the bigger story is um, there's another incident of racism um, at a game. Um, there, uh, uh, Mukhtar Diakabi, who plays for Valencia, he's a defender. He um, was racially abused by Juan Cala of Cadiz um, in the game. 
yesterday in the 20 it's like the 29th or 30th minute um it was it was it seemed pretty clear that something had happened between the two of them and he um uh diakabi went to kala after hearing it and was like uh like almost physically attacked him and um and then decided to walk off the field and said he was done um he went to the referee he said he called him up blah 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 Um, i'm not gonna say it here it is really nasty if you want to look for it there are plenty of articles that will um uh, show it um and um and uh for the first time i've seen a club like or like first time in a while i just the whole club decided to walk off the field um uh for valencia and stop the match um and then um as um time wore on a few minutes later uh the valencia came back onto the field and uh they were pressured by la liga to come back onto the field uh because if not they would would have been lost to three points for the game and then docked further points because they stopped the game um because they walked off the field instead of um dealing with the racist racist incident and investigating it right away um i can't help but feel um disappointed um we continue to uh we continue to allow this in our game without any um real uh real punishment i shouldn't even say punishment but even education or understanding or anything like that um diakabi was substituted as the game resumed and Juan Kala was still on the field playing as that happened and just can't help but think there's got to be something wrong there you know they both received a yellow card for their their skirmish um and it's it's just very very disappointing um i think if something like that were to happen i think la liga needs to change its its protocols or find a way to um um figure out what they can do to um um, to make this uh, better um, because it just looked like um, La Liga only cared about finishing the match and nothing else um, which to me is really disappointing and sad um, my hope is that um, the truth will come out and we hear everything that happened over the, the, the course of the game um, and that it, um, Juan Cala if uh, and it sounds more and more likely that he did say something just really terrible, that he is punished thoroughly for it, and that the club who has... The club hasn't really stood by him. Cadiz uh, has been sort of uh, in the middle of nowhere with this. They want to believe the player, but they're also standing up against racism. So um, I think their hope is that nothing was said, but if it is, then I think you could see them just release him outright for it and that he will have to, to, to start a ban as soon as possible. Um, there needs to be more. Uh, I think UEFA and FIFA don't do enough um, with regards to racism. Their fines are paltry in comparison to um, the acts that occur in matches. Um, they, uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how, um, how these things will change. I think part of the, the punishment should be um, education in... Um, why racism is so uh deadly and um uh terrible um 
And I think another thing that should happen too is, you know, there should be um, um, fines and no fans be allowed into the stadium. Anything that could punish them financially for a period of time, that should happen because it's a lack of control of or lack of um, um, governance over their, over their uh, fans in the stadium at hand. And um, if there's a way that um, they could make this more clear to the teams that are playing, that would make things um, better for everyone who plays the game and not just certain people who do. Um, I think um, there, they, these, these incidents have to stop. I mean, there's been a few recently. Um, Kudela from Slavia Prague and Glenn Kamara. I mean, I can't. I, I, I really, that looked awful. And um, the fact that one player ran 80 yards to go to another player and call him so-and-so. Um, I understand there's trash talk in the game and there's heat of the moment. But heat of the moment uh, should still not bring out a racist epithet of any manner or form. Um, it should all be based out of the game and, and playing and, and, you know, I, I know for a fact, like I've been heated and, and pushed other people. I've been really angry at other players. And, um, the, the, even then I, that's not the, there would be never the place to go. I mean, you can say like, oh, you, you know, you, you're terrible, blah, 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 like go away. But to go and call someone that, No. It's a really sad day today for the podcast. Um, a sad, like a sad few moments or sad uh, few things to talk about, but also lots of hope in, in the hope that we will grow from this in, as a society and we'll be better for it. Um, um, I can't wait to see um, uh, uh, what happens in the future in the women's game. Um, I'm so excited for it, and um, I really hope... Um, that these racist incidents end in um, all of soccer, in all of sport. Um, and the more that everyone stands up and stands out for those things, the easier it will be for these things to stop. Um, so I stand uh, I stand with Diakabi right now. I stand with, um, I stand for the women's game. Um, uh, I stand for love for all people. I just stand for all genders. Um, I stand for um, equity in every way imaginable. And I cannot stress enough how much I want that in this world. Um, thank you for listening, and we'll be back again next week. Thank you.